the hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to March. It is Monday, March 1st, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy here on the Bucknuts Morning 5. A lot to get into, Patrick. Let's start with the Buckeyes. Recruiting beat just continues to march on. They landed wide receiver Keon Grays from Chandler, Arizona on Sunday. He's a four-star prospect in the 2022 class. Ohio State now has 11 commitments in the 2022 class, and they are still ranked number one in the country So far, they just widened their gap over LSU. We'll see if they can hold on to it this year. Last year, they got off to a a huge start, ended up finishing number two. Feels like they finished number two quite a bit. We'll take that, but would be nice to finish number one for a change. What a nice get here. Keon Grays is a guy that kept rising up and rising up, and you got to think if he was handpicked by Brian Hartline, he's not done rising up. So another great get for Brian Hartline and the Buckeyes. Keon Grays. Certainly. I I think you you kind of – Explained it well there. Um, uh, a guy who once committed to Arizona, decommitted, but has really jumped up the recruiting rankings here the last year or so um, with with his play. Um, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons, and I've seen this on on a lot of different um, from a lot of different people that compared him to to Chris Olave, which I think from from what I've seen is is an apt comparison. Obviously, Chris Olave wasn't a hugely recruited player, mostly because he didn't get to play um, one season after transferring. I think that probably would have been different if uh, if more evaluators got to see him. But, um, you know, just in terms of, of the way he can play, it sounds like a very versatile wide receiver, plays in the slot, can play on the outside, can do a lot of different things. So, you know, Brian Hartland not only is is continuing to land talented receivers, and, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about the, the guys that he's landed here the past several years, but different types of receivers and guys that can do different things, and, and they're kind of mixing and matching and putting together um, a class that, will continue, you know, another class that will, uh, you know, allow them to do different things once they get these guys on campus. So, you know, this, this is another good one. Uh, as you said, I think Grays will continue to rise up in those rankings. You know, I don't know what the ceiling is there. Obviously it will depend what he does in his senior year, but um, you know, a, a, another top prospect. And, and as, as you mentioned, Dave handpicked by Brian Hartline and this staff. And, and so far they haven't proven to uh, given or given us any reason to, to, to think that, that they're not evaluating these kids properly. Everyone they've gotten so far seems to do well um, and, and, you know, seems to fit, which I think is a big thing. So that uh, it, this just looks like another, another home run for the Buckeyes and, and a guy who once he gets on campus will be exciting. This is not exactly a hot take, but Brian Hartline's the best recruiter in the country, in my opinion. I mean, he's that good as far as assistant coaches. All right. Speaking of recruiting, kind of. The transfer portal, it's kind of like recruiting, uh, just older players, and it's going to be pretty crazy this offseason. Now, 
I'm convinced Ohio State's going to tap into the portal and they're going to get somebody. They've they've done that every year since Ryan Day's been here, and now there's going to be more guys ever in the portal. I have to think Ohio State's going to add somebody. It might not even be a starter. It might just be somebody that comes in and adds depth, like at corner. And we saw yesterday Darion Kendrick, uh, who was a starter at Clemson, a former five-star prospect, is leaving Clemson, getting kicked off the team. I did a piece for the site yesterday, as you know. I, I don't think this – we're just doing our due diligence. I don't think this is a fit at all. He was suspended a few different times during the 2020 season. And then he was kicked off the team by Dabo after that. So whatever happened, I don't know. I'm not privy to exactly what happened. Whatever it was, it was an ongoing issue. I can't imagine Ryan Day being interested. That being said, I don't know who it's going to be. I do think eventually they're going to get a corner and maybe somebody else in the portal. And maybe Ohio State's going to lose some players to the portal too. Just break that down for me. How do you see that shaking out this offseason? Not necessarily like specific names, but or if you want to throw specific names out there, that's fine too. But how do, how do you see this shaking out this year? The key word that, that you said there, which I think is very important when it comes to the portal, is, is fit. And I think if you just go out there and, and try and add a guy because he's talented, um, you know, you, you sometimes can can end up in a worse worse position. You know, you bring someone in that, that doesn't work with your team, doesn't work with the group. And, you know, I think that can cause more trouble than it's worth. Um, but what Ohio State has done really well, and you've mentioned they've gotten at least one transfer player every year under Ryan Day, is found the right fit. You know, Justin Fields is obvious. I mean, uh, you know, that one of the top quarterbacks in the country becomes available. You need a quarterback. You go look, look at that guy. And, and the fit worked out really well. But a Jonah Jackson, a guy who'd played in the Big Ten, understood the conference, understood what it meant to be an offensive lineman, Trey Sermon, a running back Ohio State had recruited um, and, you know, had a relationship with Tony Alford. So, you know, those, those are just a few examples there, but that's what you need to get is, is something that, that makes a lot of sense, um, not only for what you need on the field, but off the field, in the locker room, those type of guys, guys that are understanding of their role coming in. So, you know, I, you know, I don't want to speculate on names. I do think corner makes a lot of sense. Maybe get someone with a bit more experience um, just because, that's going to be a young room and obviously a room that struggled last year. So, you know, I, I, I agree on that. Um, and then, you know, I think you can also kind of take a look as, as you get into spring ball and see, okay, well, maybe we thought we had somebody here that, that was going to play or, or, or maybe we thought this guy was going to develop a little bit more in the winter or the off season and then take a look in the portal. <laughs> the interesting thing about the portal is guys are jumping in all the time. So it's not like, you know, you, you have a, a window of free agency like in the NFL or, or things like that. You know, if, if you get through spring ball and there's somebody in there that makes sense maybe more than what you have or you want to add some depth, there's usually still some guys in there. Um, and obviously Ryan Day, Mark Pantone, everyone over at Ohio State is doing their due diligence to pay attention to that. But I do think and, I, I, you know, I think it, it needs to be stressed that, you know, you, you've got to do your homework to make sure that this guy – isn't going to, to, to be an issue or, or anything like that. And, and not that everyone in the portal is, um, you know, it's sometimes it just didn't work out at the other school and it's not about, you know, struggles off the field. Um, so, you know, you just want to be careful when you're adding somebody like, like this, it's not recruiting out of high school where you get these long-term relationships necessarily. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it can be a double-edged sword there. And thus far Ohio state's had nothing but success. No doubt about it. I mean, it's been crazy how successful they've been. You know, Gunnar Hoke was just brought here just to be, you know, um, depth. And he he yeah. was that. He was able to hold the clipboard well, uh, you know, to my understanding. And then they just knocked it out of the park with the other guys. I mean, Justin Fields, obviously. Jonah Jackson was a great player here. Was a, you know, ended up being a third-round draft pick. Started every game, I believe, for the Lions as a rookie. I know yeah. he was a starter. I don't think he got hurt. Um, I believe he started all 16 games for the Lions. And then, of course, Trey Sermon. 
unfortunate the way his career ended with that injury, like first play of the game. My gosh, like harbinger of things to come in that Alabama game. But still, what a what a great um, end of the season for Trey Sermon before that. All right. Nothing that uh, football fans like more than a good uh, quarterback competition in, in the offseason to, to bridge the gap till the season, whether it's uh, the NFL or whether, whether it's the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, it's always interesting when there's a quarterback competition. And my goodness, do we have one in spades this year, Patrick? Break it down for me. I've talked about it a lot on this show. People know where I stand. I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud, but I also like the other two guys a lot. I like Jack Miller. I like Kyle McCord. McCord was handpicked by Ryan Day. So was C.J. Stroud and pretty much Jack Miller as well. Break it down for me. I don't think we're going to see a you know result this spring, but when you know when the Buckeyes take the field against Minnesota for that Thursday night opener, who's going to be the starting quarterback? C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, or Kyle McCord? I think C.J. Stroud certainly has the the leg up going into spring, and and I don't know how big of a leg up it is, but you know you read the tea leaves um, when when both C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller were healthy. C.J. Stroud was the first one in the game when they needed him. When Justin Fields got hurt against Clemson, it was C.J. Stroud who came in for the play. Um, so, you know, that that says something to me. And, and Ryan Day stressed all year not to read into it, and I understand why he did that. Uh, you know, I think that they are very cognizant of these guys are paying attention to what's happening, and they don't want to lose anybody here before they get into the season. So, to me, this is not only a quarterback battle that because you have three talented players um, will last into the into fall camp, but also, you know, to name a starter after spring ball, unless one guy is just clearly out ahead of the others, which I just don't think is going to happen, given the inexperience and that all three are very talented, like I said, uh, you know, it just doesn't do anyone any good to, to name that starter. Um, you know, you don't want one of the guys then, then leaving. And now you're left with a shallow quarterback room in terms of depth. So um, yeah, if I had to put money on a guy right now, uh, I would say CJ Stroud. But the other thing is we haven't seen enough of these guys in a college, you know, at, at least when we were talking Dwayne Haskins versus Joe Burrow a few years ago, we'd seen both guys play. We had, you know, some idea and we didn't even get to see much of, you know, spring practice last year or, or anything like that to really do a lot of, basing it off of but I definitely agree with you I think CJ Stroud goes into the spring with a bit of an advantage and it'll be up to the other two Kyle McCord Jack Miller to to you know close any sort of gap that is there um, and CJ Stroud it will be to try and win the job so that's kind of my take on it but you know I will not be surprised if throughout spring practice every time this comes up Ryan Day or or any of the the coaching staff is like yeah they're all neck and neck or you know some of those some of those things we've heard in the past just to kind of keep this thing going um, as long as possible for, for a number of reasons. Speaking of quarterback competitions, I find this very interesting. Michigan, it looked like it was going to be J.J. McCarthy, the true freshman, against Cade McNamara, the third-year sophomore who started a game last year and uh, you know, had, you know, came in off the bench against, with their thrilling win against Rutgers where their, their players stormed the field afterwards if they beat Rutgers in that thriller. Big win. Big win. Huge win. Rutgers. Um, I did not see them tapping into the portal to get another transfer quarterback, but Jim Harbaugh, that's exactly what he did. He tapped into the portal, landed Alan Bowman from Texas Tech. He's a graduate transfer. He will have three years of eligibility remaining. He will compete with J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara for the starting job. You know, it just hasn't worked out, man. I mean, the first year they had Rudock from Iowa. He was – he's probably – you know, he's he's – He's probably the best quarterback they've had that first year. He got they got Rudock, 
Uh, he wasn't that good. Um, then they brought John O'Corn in from Houston. He was terrible. Shea Patterson, despite the five-star pedigree, was average at best, in my opinion, and worse than that in, in, when he played actual good defenses. I don't know, man. I, I thought he would go with one of the two young guys. you got to wonder what they're thinking now. J.J. McCarthy must have thought this, this uh, job was going to be his, probably. Now they're bringing in Alan Bowman. He's not coming in, in there to be a backup. So that's going to be interesting to follow. What do you make of Harbaugh doing that? Yeah, that's interesting for sure. Um, like you said, I, I thought that, that they had kind of their two guys. Now, you know, you, you, my first thought was maybe, okay, you're bringing in a guy to, to add some depth. You mentioned earlier with Ohio State adding a guy like Gunnar Hoke. But when I looked into to Alan Bowman and his numbers, I mean, they're, they're pretty good for, for Texas Tech. Um, you know, through 200-plus passes last year, over 300 the year before. So, you know, the, the numbers are there. He's put up good – touchdown interception ratio relatively um so you know I, I i am a bit confused by this but i've been a bit confused by a lot of things michigan has done at the quarterback position over the last several years um and you know this surprises me but maybe it shouldn't um you know i still think that uh one of the young guys probably comes out with the job they've been you know around the program and, and obviously recruited to 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 take part and, and compete for this. Um, but yeah, this is a tough read. Um, you know, and you know, maybe it's just the thought of, Hey, you know, let's add another guy in here. Let's make this as competitive as possible. So we're sure we come out with the right guy. Um, you know, I, I, I still, until it's proven to me that Michigan can find a quarterback and develop a quarterback and those type of things, I'm going to, uh, be hesitant to, to, uh, give them the benefit of the doubt, just given what we've seen under Jim Harbaugh, who was supposed to come in and be a quarterback whisperer type of guy. But, um, you know, it's either they don't like what they have and, you know, not that there's been a ton to see, or, you know, you just felt like you needed another guy to throw into the competition and make things a little bit more competitive. Or it was just, you know, hey, there's a quarterback out there that's interested. Why don't we go get him and, and see what happens? I, I, I'm having a tough time reading this one and, and figuring out what the, the end of, end result will be um in this competition so we'll have to wait and see on this i think i was watching my friend steve dace's michigan podcast and he was saying the new quarterback coach at michigan has never been a quarterback coach before right so that's interesting mm -hmm. you bring in a five-star quarterback you have a quarterback coach never been a quarterback coach before and you make him the quarterback coach like three days before spring ball begins four days before spring ball begins so they're starting earlier than ohio state um very interesting what's going on up there man it does feel like to me this is the last year of the hardball era it's it's make or break this year it's year seven <laughs> it's not like early in his tenure anymore year seven urban was only at ohio state for seven years i mean right. it's it's deep in his tenure it's a make or break up there so we'll see what happens all right as i always like to say when we start talking ohio state basketball if you don't care about ohio state basketball thank you for tuning in it's been <laughs> nice talking to you patrick and i are going to finish the show talking about ohio state basketball and usually when we've talked to ohio state basketball on the show i mean almost every time that we've talked about ohio state basketball on the show this season it's been good things not right now they're not looking good they had their worst loss of the season in my opinion not just because they lost to Iowa the way they looked they got smoked yesterday at home you were there covering it against Iowa the game was on CBS national TV I mean it's as bad as they've looked all year like I said three game losing streak they hadn't lost back-to-back -back games all year let alone three games in a row not the way you want to 
roll into March here. I still think they're going to find a way to get it corrected, man, but it is not looking good. It's fast how things can change in college basketball. Yeah, what a weird last week for, for Ohio State. You, you go and lose the home game against Michigan, a five-point loss to Michigan, and I think everyone kind of came out of that disappointed but feeling pretty good. You know, you, you hung with what may be the best team, most complete team in the country, um, and for most of that game, it looked like Ohio State was going to be able to pull it out. You know, so I think you left last Sunday's game really feeling, okay, um, you know, this is a loss, but we'll, we'll take this one and, you know, hope to see Michigan again down the line. And then they go to East Lansing, no Kyle Young, and just just couldn't ever pull away from Michigan. Got his, Michigan State, I'm sorry, got as much as a nine-point lead in the second half and just, you know, it, it always felt like Michigan State was hanging around, hanging around, and, and obviously the Spartans come back and, and get that win. Uh, a decent amount of controversy in that game, for sure. And, you know, we, we could really dive into that if we wanted to, but, you know, I think the fact that Ohio State didn't pull away on its own and, you know, allowed there to be that controversy at the end is, is a bit of a problem. And then you mentioned it against Iowa. I, I agree with you. That is, that is the worst performance of the year by the Buckeyes, only scoring 57 points. Um, you know, making five of 17 three-pointers. It just didn't look like Ohio State had it. And, you know, Chris Holtman admitted after the game that this is a tired, banged-up team right now. And I think there's definitely something to that. They looked like a tired, banged-up team. But a lot of teams are tired and banged up right now, you know? I mean, Iowa came in off the same stretch of games that Ohio State had, had done. Now, Iowa had a bit more, you know, maybe motivation because the Buckeyes went into their house earlier this season and got a win. But you know, Ohio State's playing for a one seed. I mean, that's that's motivation enough. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that Ohio State will get it figured out. Maybe we were a bit too high on the Buckeyes. And by we, I just mean everybody, you know, talk of number one seed, talk of, you know, a final four. Um, you know, I, I still think that's possible for the Buckeyes. But I think just think you've seen, you know, some of the cracks that maybe we saw at the beginning of the season when people were projecting this team to finish more towards the middle of the Big Ten than near the top. Um, you know, kind of kind of showing themselves a little bit. And I think there's probably been more good than bad and guys have emerged, but you need more from some guys that aren't, that have given it to you this season that just aren't, you know, Justice Suing, um, Kyle Young, when he's healthy, I think can give you more than he has. Not obviously missed the Michigan State game, but the last two games, um, you know, some of your role-playing guys, I think just have to have to give a little bit more. And, you know, the Buckeyes don't play again until next Saturday. Um, you know, that'll give them some time to, to rest up a little bit. And that's a big one against Illinois. So, you know, in, in at Value City Arena. So, um, you know, I, I think that game will tell us a lot if they can get rested up a little bit, maybe have some good practices this week. And then, you know, if, if you can kind of bounce back in that game and feel a little bit better going to the Big Ten tournament, then I think things are less of panic mode. But um, yeah, that, that one yesterday was a rough one, not only to, to swallow the result, but even just to watch, you know, sitting there, uh, you know, that was about as boring of a Buckeye game in terms of what they performed, what they were able to do as, as I've seen, you know, in a while. And, uh, you know, it was disappointing. You, you want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the year, and they certainly are not at the moment. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy. Thank you very much, Patrick. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate it very much. Have a great day, Bucknoters. Let's hear the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.